What's good people? It's David and you're listening to the Lead Your Legacy podcast, the show that inspires you to live your best life and to lead your legacy. On this episode, we're talking about what school doesn't teach you. I'll be rating how well schools are doing at teaching things that people often wish that they were taught at school, including topics like finance and how to learn from your failures. So thanks for listening and your legacy thanks you for leading. The defense. What school doesn't teach you the case for schools? I recently came across an Instagram post that complained about what school doesn't teach you. Now, whilst I can accept that not everybody gets what they need out of the system, as a teacher I felt compelled to dispel these myths, or at least address them, and defend the system because whilst it's not and arguably never will be perfect, teachers and schools often do a lot more than people think. This episode will challenge those ideas based on my experiences as a secondary school teacher and interactions with other teachers, some valid, some lesser so, and rating how schools are generally doing at dispelling these myths, rating them from 1 to 5 based on how well I think they're doing. 1 is rubbish and 5 is excellent, but obviously not perfect. The first myth, or first sort of criticism, schools don't teach how to learn from failures. My rating for how schools is doing is five, so doing very well. I can't remember the last time I spoke with another secondary teacher and they couldn't tell you that green pens are used for students to improve their work. Being a teacher is like being a person of faith. One critical fundamental underlines your role. For people of faith, it is the admittance that you are not perfect, otherwise you wouldn't need God. And for teachers, it is that your students are going to fail. Your job is to help them recover, improve from their setbacks and make progress. Whether it's verbal feedback, mini plenaries throughout the lesson, or hinge questions as they might be more commonly known, or the one hour feedback lessons which we use to go through assessments and improve skills, confront misconceptions and gaps in knowledge. Teachers are consistently training, not simply teaching students how to learn from their failures. Academically, it's easier to determine how students are taught how to learn from their failures. Behaviour is slightly more complex. Still, there is plenty of good work to ensure that teachers help students learn from their mistakes that aren't on paper. Everything from disruptive behaviour to bullying, schools I've worked in generally have a restorative process to ensure that conversations improve or restore relationships well before the ideas of exclusion begin. They usually require some degree of forgiveness, reflection, or strategy to help equip students rather than penalise them only to commit the same transgression. Fundamentally, students fail often. They're supposed to. Every teacher knows this, which is why we are trained to support them. Student apathy exists and most schools do their best to ensure conversations exploring growth and fixed mindsets happen. Still, schools teach students how to recover from failures because that's literally what students are doing to make the progress that teachers and they need to make. Number two, schools don't teach about personal finance. I've rated this number four. Now I went to school in the early 2000s and agree that schools back then didn't do enough to teach students about money, especially in the comprehensive state schools with the students who 
probably needed it the most. As a social sciences teacher, especially one trained in citizenship, I can tell you that schools now have to teach about money as part of the national curriculum. I have taught it ever since I was in training and I know that other schools teach it during days where the whole school is off timetable. No, it's not exactly a short course in trading in business as many say they would like, but students do look at budgets, investing, spending, savings, different types of cards and different types of interest to help them with their personal finances now and later on in life. Myth number three, or criticism number three, schools don't teach how to take care of your mental health. Now I've rated this number three. This one is more of a recent development, or at least more widely known to be a recent development. And whilst it's not in the same place as failures or finance, schools are doing more because they know more needs to be done. Whether it's having lessons about the psychological impacts of social media, mindfulness sessions, mind mapping safe ways to escape the pressures and responsibilities of school, for example, gaming or meeting up with friends, cooking, sports. Schools also, not all of them, but some also have counsellors and even have mobile platforms for students to contact um, organisations if they're struggling with their mental health. Granted, access to counsellors is often an issue due to demand and funding, but schools do have policies and systems to support students with their mental health, proactively and reactively. More could still be done, agreed, especially when it comes to diagnosing specific issues and helping parents and students manage them at home and in school. Number four, schools don't teach you to develop people skills. Rating number four. The SMSC development, so that basically means the spiritual, moral, social and cultural, cult, uh, cultural development of students is assessed by Ofsted and was introduced in 1988. SMSC development lays the groundwork for the soft skills slash people skills and most schools now have systems to either track or complement students when they develop or exhibit these social skills, usually in line with the school's values. As a social sciences teacher, I have to study my students, I have to teach my students how to engage in discussion, often with controversial topics, they need to learn how to make their points, understand one another and understand the difference between understanding, liking and agreeing with someone's views. Debating, public speaking, empathy, self-reflection, communication, teamwork, active listening and comprehension are just some of the people skills that are consistently developed in my classroom and I can accept that my subject is set up to develop these more easily than many others. Culturally, schools generally aren't fans of mobile phones due to a combination of the interactions that happen on them and the social skills it blocks if they're allowed in a playground and pastoral leaders and tutors are experts in conflict management this is another generalization uh, generalization myth at least for modern educators and the final criticism from the blog i read is number five schools don't teach self-awareness rating three now, the blog that I read, which inspired me to record this episode, speaks about a list of things, especially about learning styles. Now, learning styles within education have been disproved somewhat due to their limiting nature. For example, I only learn visually, sort of implying that people only learn by seeing things. So already the argument is lost, as most teachers will tell you that they are less about how students learn and more about how teachers should teach in terms of the styles 
It also refers to students who learn differently, being penalised by the system. Whilst I can't disagree with this, I think it says more about the examination system than it does schools in general. For those who are neurodiverse, schools have files on them that explain to teachers different strategies and techniques to engage those students in learning so that they do not become apathetic with education. These files are compiled by specialists who spend lots of time diagnosing them and supporting them. Schools could always be doing more to help students think about and reflect on who they are and who they want to become as a person, aside from careers. My subjects tend to explore different opinions, beliefs and perceptions that allow students to reflect on themselves and understand others. The only consideration here is that if students tell themselves they have particular traits, especially negative ones, these ideas may become fixed, not allowing for the fact that they may have to develop and manage these traits in positive ways or even change as some of these traits are based on their environment at home and don't serve them at school or beyond school in the wider world and may not benefit students as well as it may seem. So to conclude, overall systemic rating based on the criticisms uh, presented in this blog is a 3.32 out of 5. I'll be the first to admit schools aren't perfect, let alone the people that staff them. Yet schools and by extension teachers are always considered the panacea to all of society's problems. However, those who say schools never did X, aren't doing Y and never will do Z are simply wrong. There's still plenty to do. There are always is. And good schools and great teachers are always trying to accommodate and adapt as quickly as possible to the changing demands of society as we try to prepare our students for the future. All we ask is that you allow us and the system the grace to at least question what we're doing to support students and the opportunity to answer or prove that we are rather than assuming that because it didn't happen for you, it isn't or doesn't happen anywhere else.